Welcome to ER Debrief Podcast, a recap podcast where two emergency nurses watch and discuss the Emmy award-winning show ER. We're excited to watch the show with all of you, so grab a drink, coffee and wine are acceptable options, and let's get started. Please pause for an important directive from Dr. Morgenstern, Chief of Surgery at County General Hospital. This episode contains heavy themes and serious content. Listener discretion is advised. All stories shared in this podcast have been altered to protect the identity of our patients and colleagues. Any perceived medical advice from the show should not be used for real-life medical concerns. Always consult your personal physician before proceeding with any new practice or treatment. This podcast will include spoilers for the episodes we are discussing, but there will not be any future episode spoilers. Thank you. Welcome back to ERD Brief. Thanks so much for joining us again on this wonderful Monday. Um, it's not actually a Monday while we're recording, but it's beautiful out today. 12 degrees. What? It is so nice. Yeah. It's the warmest it's been all week. Yeah, that's true, actually. I was thinking this morning, I was coming home from a night shift, and I was like, it is cold this morning, but it is much nicer now. Yeah. So. It's starting to feel more like summer, isn't it? It is starting to feel more like summer. Yeah. I think it's it's making the world a little bit happier, I think. Just to Definitely. see the sun. Anyway, how was your week, yes. Julie? What's uh, new? Oh my gosh. My week was good. I um, worked. I just came off of a four-day stretch. Two days, two nights. So today is my first regular day. Lovely. And, you know, the nights just kill me. I don't mind working them. Like when I'm working them, I feel totally fine. But it's when, it's like the days after, mm. you know, that I'm like, oh, yeah. these suck. But when I'm doing them, I really don't mind. And I actually enjoy the shift a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, it's afterwards, the days after where you just feel jet lag. Yeah, like nauseous. You just feel like, ugh. Yeah. Gross yeah feeling. and like I'm typically all my life I've been a morning person but with shift work I've become this night owl and then I wake up at like noon and I feel being a morning person I feel unproductive even though you know you can be productive at night too right yeah that anyways, makes sense that's just yeah absolutely I yeah. have been doing the same lately like I've been sleeping late like going to bed even like on days off going to bed at like two maybe three in the morning and getting up at like 11 yeah. noon and then yeah you just have like no motivation yeah. to do anything because you're like oh well, half the day's already gone so I might as well just stay in bed yeah, <laughs> yeah. I might as well just stay in yeah. bed or I might as well start watching oh my gosh okay I've also been re-watching New Girl oh I need to re-watch New Girl I have that on my list for sure oh it's so good yeah, it's on Netflix. All six, I think there's seven seasons and there's six seasons on Netflix right now. And I think I've only maybe watched three seasons because I couldn't stream them anymore. Okay. And so I'm really excited. But honestly, it is probably one of the only shows where I laugh out loud by myself. Yes. <laughs> like That's legitimately fair. laugh out loud by myself. That's awesome. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched, I think you're right. I only watched like two or three seasons initially and then either like interest or just didn't catch up with it so yeah I would like to re-watch now 
And there's something about binge watching that's just better. Oh yeah, big time. Like those are my plans tonight. I'm gonna, after this, I'm going to definitely go watch that show. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. We said it. How's your week? Um, my week is good. Again, same as you, just working. Um, my rash mm-hmm. is gone, so I'm super happy. Woohoo! Yay! Uh, it cleared up. Yay! You're glowing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I did get my Inspired Go package. I don't know if you have also. I've had one. Nice. So these are the, we are not sponsored by these people, but they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this company that is donating salads and like food packages, like basically care packages to frontline workers for every purchase that they get from the regular like general public. Yeah. And yeah, the packages were amazing. Yeah. I got like a couple of salads, a nice avocado, some like red peppers. It was awesome. Yeah. It was the most delicious salads I've ever had. Yeah, I was just going to say, the salads are so good. So good. Like, the salads are so good. Yes. Like, I don't know that I've had better ones. No. They were light and fresh and delicious, especially for pre-made. Yes, and what I loved is that they were, like, separated into, like, different compartments. So, like, all of the ingredients were, like, in different trays, and you, like, mixed it all together. You don't get any soggy bits. Exactly. And, like, there was one of the salads had, like, chow mein noodles, and they were like in their own little separate container. And then the dressing was in its separate container and you like mixed it all together. It was, oh my gosh, it was so good. Everything that I was given in like my care, frontline care package was so fresh. They were so great. That's what I found about the lettuce. Like the lettuce and the salad ones, often I find in pre-made salads, they're kind of like wilty and like soggy. These were, and they stayed good for days, like at least five days they stayed. Yeah, like I had my last one probably, yeah, like four or five days after it was delivered. And it was still so good. Like I probably would have lasted days after that. Like it was amazing. Here is a telling detail of how good these salads were. I ate them on nights. Oh, wow. That is really good. Nights is a tough time to eat healthy foods. I never want raw vegetables on night shifts because they just do not feel appealing. But I wanted those. I ate those salads. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Inspired Go. Thank you for feeding frontline staff in this pandemic. We so appreciate it. They've had 4,553 meals donated. At this point, this was two days ago. So I feel like they're probably going to have many more. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So um, if you are interested in supporting their company because they're amazing, Mm -hmm. um, they're called Inspired Go. You can follow them on Instagram at inspired.go. Cool. So yeah, yeah, everyone should follow them. Everyone should look into it if you're interested in some really great healthy meals that also support your frontline workers, then absolutely purchase some meals from them. Anyway, I digress. Um Melissa, do you have any fun facts this week? I do have some fun facts. Okay. I don't know if these are really fun or like maybe people will think this is super boring, but I uh-huh. find it fun. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to go with this week. Uh, yeah. So my fun facts <laughs> for today is about steady cams. So 
steady cams, not really commonly mm-hmm. used in television um, in the early 90s when this show came out, um, but they were really central to ER and how this became like kind of a signature show. It's just the way it was mm-hmm. filmed is pretty incredible. And cool. since like kind of reading about steady cams and like reading about it on ER, I'm watching the show a little bit differently. So that's why I thought it might be a fun fact to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ER was one of the first television shows to start using Steadicams, especially regularly, like every episode, um, they're using this technology. Mm-hmm. So it was initially invented in 1975 by a cameraman named Garrett Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was used in some movies like Rocky, The Shining, and Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that's really what started to make this way of filming really famous I mean Garrett Brown's got to be like him and his and or his family it must be rolling in it because steady cams are used constantly now it's a very common way of filming now okay but when ER came out it really wasn't so like a steady cam is basically a camera that's strapped to a cameraman but it has stabilizers so that right the camera doesn't shake like you know like with a documentary style camera like cameras always shaking like as the person's running or like moving around whereas yeah. with a steady cam the cameraman can be moving around as much as possible and it can be getting really dynamic shots but the camera itself is staying steady um so there's not that shaking or bumping jerking kind of movements that you see cool yeah so like what when you watch you should watch for this because they like literally do shots like over the doctor's shoulder they like swirl around stretcher quite a bit they mount cameras on stretchers a lot which I didn't really realize right yeah right right like sometimes Uh there's like one shot of um a laboring mom I think it's in like episode two or three and she's like being rolled down on a stretcher as she's deliver or like about to deliver and yeah. dr carter is like in between her legs <laughs> and oh was that the one in the car it's not the one in the car okay. but i feel okay. like the car was a very similar it was like right over this woman's shoulder but okay. um there's just like a it's a quick shot of them like rolling down the hallway with this laboring mom and the camera must be like literally on top of her stomach, like looking at Dr. Carter and then looking <laughs> at her, the mother's head. Like yeah. it's crazy. So yeah, it's kind of interesting the way that they used, like the way that they filmed it. Yeah. And then what I also discovered is that by filming it this graphically, like this up close and um like right over the doctor's shoulder lots of like actually looking at like stab wounds lots of gore that is why nbc hated it they hated right. it <laughs> right it was so gory for the time like they were just like this is too close we're seeing too much and they were just terrified of this show going on air so so yeah like a lot of it was the way it was filmed but it also made it super iconic because for the first time, you're getting like a real hand look at what doctors and nurses are going through. So yeah, all because of the Steadicam, because of Garrett Brown. It's really interesting. And then I guess they would do, I was watching the commentary on the uh, DVDs and they would do these like really long shots. So like they would, because, and if you're watching the show, you can see it because they're like, the camera is just moving from like 
one scenario into another scenario into another scenario. So they would do that all in one long shot. So mm-hmm. if one person screwed up their line at the end, they'd have to do the whole shot again. <laughs> so like, can you oh imagine the God. pressure of that? Oh yeah, my that would God. Be tough. Yeah. That would be like, wild. They do. So have you seen the movie 1917? No, I have not. No. Okay. So that entire movie is shot as if it is in all one shot. They do it in eight minute increments. You would love this movie. I actually think you should watch it. Oh, I need to watch it. It's a, yeah, it's based in 1917, First World War, I think. Yeah, First World War. And um, there's a storyline, obviously, but basically the entire thing up until like one point where there's a very like noticeable, you can see that the, that the shot has ended, but it's basically all one continuous shot. However, um, how they did it was in eight minute increments. So they would like find ways to end the shot, but then still continue it. But it's basically like for these actors kind of like doing theater because they have to set it all up similar to what you're saying happened in ER where they have to set up an entire scene. And if one person screws up, they have to do that entire segment over again. Wow. Oh, I should watch it. So ER was kind of like the first you know, time precipice of this stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I know like West Wing also did a lot of steady cam work and a lot of like walk and talks where it was like a long one shots, like down hallways and stuff. Right. Um, but I think ER does that almost even more dynamically. And like, I know that John Wells was in highly involved in West Wing as well. So I can't remember which one started first. I think ER started first. So yeah, I think maybe John Wells brought a lot of that into the West Wing as well. But but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Like when you just watch the cinematography of the show and like mm-hmm. how the cameras are there and like how they're like how the fast pace of everything is and like that emerge like kind of style of like next 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 right like let's go on to the next patient next thing like this is it gives you a really good feel on like what an emergency department is really like especially when it's busy completely yes anyway so true um that's my my fun facts (laughs) i love it yeah that was cool Um, this episode is titled Another Perfect Day. It was written by Lydia Woodward and Lance Gentile. It was directed by Vern Gilliam, and it aired on November 3rd, 1994. Brief synopsis of the episode, Carter treats a wounded gang member and later completes his first spinal tap. Ross and Hathaway share a steamy kiss after saving a drowning victim. And Dr. Green's wife visits, but is soon called back to Milwaukee. The staff throw a surprise birthday party for Dr. Lewis, but her drunk sister, Chloe, spoils the festivities. Melissa, what are your jewels? Um, I really liked this episode, like a lot. Okay. So my jewels are 190. I think it was fabulous. I loved it a lot. Okay. Um, I like that we're building on Susan's storyline with her sister and like growing tension in the love triangle. I love it. And Patrick. I love Patrick. So I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited. 
Anyway. I think I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go 180. It was, it was really good. And I don't know if it was just because when I watched it the second time, I wasn't paying attention as much, but um, it was a really good episode. And I think we definitely, it peaks when Doug and Carol have their moment where it was like, finally, God, it took you long <laughs> yes. enough. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love it. Love this episode. It's so good. Awesome. Cool. We close on our jewels this time. Okay, Melissa, let's get into the episode and recap this. Sounds good. All right. So we open on not somebody sleeping this time, which is interesting. This is the first time I think it's the first time where not someone's sleeping at the beginning, which is interesting. Oh, you're right. But last episode, Dr. Green wakes up to his pager going off, but he can't find it. And he's at home. He's in his house. You're right. So yeah. So this is the first episode where no one's sleeping at the beginning of the episode, which (laughs) is an interesting thought for an emerge show. Like, you know, this is the first episode where no one's sleeping. (laughs) So this episode, it opens with Jerry, like running around the phones are ringing off the hook. He is like trying to send something up somewhere. He doesn't explain it, but he's gets a call and he needs to run something up. Um, and he's very stressed out. And I empathized so much with Jerry. This is a common occurrence in the emergency department. We yes. often are like running on with our like chickens with our head cut off. Like the phones are ringing like crazy. People like patients are using the call bell. There's call bells ringing everywhere. There's IV pumps beeping. Yeah. And you've got like 600 things to do. And like the lab is calling because they're mad about how you labeled the blood work. Like I just yeah. like instantly was like, thank God I'm not working in Emerge right now. <laughs> like I just oh was God. like, that yeah. is what it's like. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, yeah, exactly. And you have family members that are calling and you're like trying to answer their questions and also not be like make them feel like they're rushed, like you're rushing them. You're like, lab is called, yeah, you're so right. DI is calling, you didn't do this. Or the OR is calling you like, you didn't do the screening form. You're like, oh God. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that like 90% of what is on the other end of that phone ringing is not somebody that's happy with your work. Like it's usually somebody who's very upset with what you've done. (laughs) Totally. And also like somebody that's probably experiencing a similar amount of busyness to you. Like everybody. I'm sure. I'm sure. I actually answer the phone when the lab is calling because like you can see on the call display who's calling so if it's the lab I usually answer what have I done wrong (laughs) like (laughs) this is my opener (laughs) because usually I've done something wrong Um, or they think I have anyway yeah it's really great it actually breaks the tension really well because lab generally like I understand that they're totally stressed too and so often they're calling frustrated and so when you answer the phone, you're like, all right, what is it that I've done now? Then yeah. it kind of breaks the tension a little bit. And they're like, oh, you didn't label this properly or whatever. And I, like I find it. it goes for a better conversation when I do that. I'm anyway. going to apply this to my practice, Melissa. Yeah, you should uh, implement that. Right. It works quite well, actually. Oh, I've gotten some people laughing before, which is good. So Okay, I'm going to anyway. do it. 
<laughs> all right so that's how we open with jerry <laughs> uh poor jerry so he just like abandons the desk the phones are still ringing off the hook he has to like take something somewhere they don't explain it but he has to go so the phones are still ringing so the wonderful patrick with his helmet oh patrick yeah um who is a patient of the department hears all the phones ringing and so he walks over to the desk, sits down, and answers the phone. <laughs> and it's just like every interaction with Patrick was the best of this yeah. show. I was so excited about it. So, so this time around, he says, he answers the phone, and clearly the person on the other line is like, is this the emergency department? And he's like, this isn't the emergency. This is Patrick. <laughs> I love it so much. He's so cute. <laughs> and he has an interaction with Dr. Benton. Dr. Benton thinks he's the new desk clerk and then quickly realizes that he's actually a patient. Yeah, so Patrick is there because he's fallen off a ladder and he hurt his arm. And he has a little bit of a developmental delay, but he's adorable. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dr. Lewis ends up seeing him and assessing his arm. And he makes the really a witty knock-knock joke of, knock-knock, who's there? Patrick. Patrick who? Me, Patrick. <laughs> and I just like burst out laughing. So cute. I love him so much. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. And he was so excited he was going to get to keep his x-ray and like yeah. he hugs them. Oh, I just loved uh -huh. him so much. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, was I had to bring up Patrick because he was oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. We don't see him again, but he, yeah, he was a great opener to the episode. Yeah, nice and I think mood. like we see him maybe once as he's being discharged because oh, he okay. tells Carol to like pick a card. He's got like cards. He's like, pick oh, a card. Yes. And Carol's like, okay, she picks a card and then he just smiles and kind of giggles and she's like, oh, is that the end of it? Okay. <laughs> it was so cute. Oh my god, I love it. Oh god, Patrick is the best. He's the like winner of this episode. All right, so then we go into Dr. Carter is looking for an apartment. So we learn a little bit of information yeah, yeah. about Dr. Carter. So mm -hmm. he is living at home, which is interesting. Yes. We don't know anything about his family, and he doesn't give any more information, but he's been living at home. His dad thinks he's freeloading, so <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Jerry gives him some very off-color advice. Yeah. So, this was Jerry's mortifying. Saying, <laughs> I was like, dude. So, so inappropriate. The line. Yeah. Yes. Jerry tells Carter um, that the way, or explains to Carter how he found his apartment. And Carter is like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I found the, like, my apartment from work. And Carter's like, how? And so he's like, well, I found a patient that who's passing away who had a great apartment or great location oh and gosh. jumped on their apartment. Uh, it was not great. Not super <laughs> professional. Uh, crossing no, a line for sure. Really at all. <laughs> yeah, really concerning. And then Jerry gives Carter a patient who has a great address. Like, he's like, 
oh yeah, this guy is like, I think he has a stroke or something. And um, you should go see this patient. And Carter's like, oh, why? And he's like, well, he's got a great apartment. Whoa, Jerry. (laughs) Jerry's a shady guy. Super shady. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, maybe good at his job, but like super shady. Yeah, Yeah, I was shocked that this would even cross your mind. This would not even cross my mind as a possibility. No, me neither. Me neither. But maybe in a place like, you know, Chicago or New York or places where it's like tough to find a place, you know, with good rent, good location. Right. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too. Still super inappropriate, but difficult, but yeah. Woo. Nasty. It's um, a really morbid way of looking at the world. <laughs> Rain it in, dear. Uh, then we go to Halle, who tells Dr. Benton that a 20-year-old stabbing victim is en route. Dr. Benton is a tad less concerned about conserving blood than Dr. Green was in a previous episode. And he mm-hmm. just tells Halle, get eight units of egg now. So mm-hmm. he did not ask how many units there Mm -hmm. maybe were in the hospital like dr green um he just wants all the blood (laughs) so right now (laughs) give it all to me Uh, yeah and so ems arrived with this patient he's been stabbed to the neck and they are unable to intubate en route because of the excessive bleeding dr benton tries to intubate and is unsuccessful and then does a crike is what we would say normally The long version is cricothyroidotomy. Mm. Yeah, he performs the, it's a surgical airway basically where they cut into the neck. I just have to say like Halle and Connie are the nurses in that situation and they are bosses. Yeah. Like it's very like undercover. They, I, I think that's just nursing, mm. I guess, is that it's not like the glory of it all. It's not like Dr. Benton who's like cutting into this dude's yeah. neck, but like, Halle and Connie are like, they've got all this stuff. Like, I mean, if a doctor told me we're going to do a crike immediately, I'd be like, okay. And like grabbing the trays and like trying to figure out what exactly I need. And like, I would be panicking. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. I'd be freaking out a little. We don't do this often. It's not something that I'm super comfortable with. So like trying to figure out what we've got and the supplies that the doctor's going to need is going to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah. And the other thing too, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if they have respiratory therapists in this show. Oh, that's a good point. And like, I have not noticed any. Yeah, because I feel like RTs would be the ones that are helping the doc with that. Like they are so oh, spoiled. Point. Like they are our lifesaver. Like they manage all airways, all like BiPAP, CPAP. Like anything airway, they're Vents. they're managing totally, we totally. Have yeah, time that's to do true. other things, right? I we would maybe have to set up like a crike tray yeah. for them to actually do the surgical procedure mm-hmm. of it. But then anything airway related, RT is going to take over. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah. they have the expertise to be able to manage it a lot better than us nurses. Yeah, and I wonder <laughs> yeah. too. In Chicago, it's like a super rough city, and that they get tons and tons of like stabbings and gunshot wounds and traumas so that it right. might not be that right. uncommon for them that's true but that's true yeah that like mean- much more uncommon in our little happy suburb hospital yes. but, but, uh, Carol- but yeah maybe not a 
totally but what you're saying the nurses in that room are still like mm -hmm. like they are so good like they Bosses. know what to do mm -hmm. no panic yeah yeah, like Hale just like grabs a syringe, like she knows what Dr. Benson's gonna need next. Totally. Like I was just like, whoa. And like like the confidence is awesome. That's what I really love about this show too, is that it seems that they have a good grasp on what nurses actually do. They're not just a sexual object. They're not just like they're doing nothing. They actually play a huge role in the show. And they are right. they play major characters where agreed yeah. and they know what they're doing yeah it's not like oh my god doctor what should i do next yeah. it's like no i know what you're gonna do mm -hmm. next so i've got this down they, like which is what nursing is like yeah and i also you know get the sense as well um in the show that they're colleagues similar to how we operate like we're all colleagues yes. there's not a hierarchy like we all work together we all right. help each other we can't do our job without the other person, without docs and nurses, nursing aides, respiratory therapists, like, and I know I'm missing many, like, we all operate together and form a team. And that's not often shown in other medical shows, in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. Like something like Grey's Anatomy, it's like nurses are just there to like sleep yeah. with more than actually be professionals. Totally. Whereas like ER, yeah, it's incredible. Like in the nineties, even for them to be thinking that way, mm -hmm. right? Like I think that they were more progressive than probably it actually was in the nineties. Yeah. Right. Like potentially. Yeah. RTs, OTs, PTs, yeah. like nurses, everyone just has their own specialty. Yeah. And we work together to make the best outcome for the patient. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, so Dr. Benton, throughout this episode, we kind of get um, word of this. So he has applied for the Starzl Fellowship. I don't know what that means, but some kind of fellowship in which they don't ever really explain what he's going to get. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess fellowship, he's going to get mentored by this program mm -hmm. um, into... I don't know. Is this like a surgical, it must be a surgical fellowship of some kind. Yeah. They don't really explain it, but he has applied for this. Typically, I guess this goes to third year residents and he is a second year resident. So it's odd that he has applied for this in the first place, but his interview is today. That's kind of dispersed throughout the episode. So we'll, we'll kind of come back to that later. So I just wanted to yes. mention it. Did you catch how supportive Dr. Morgenstern was when they talked about that? Yes. Dr. Morgenstern yeah. is probably the best mentor I've ever heard Same. of. Like I've ever seen on television yeah. or in real life. And he's so enthusiastic. He's so great. Yeah. Yes. And he like comes up and he's like, great judgment you did so good like he's such a cheerleader for the people that are working with him it's so cool and like doesn't say like uh dr benton you maybe shouldn't apply for this like yeah. this is above your level mm -hmm. but no he's just like see you at the inter or at the interview yeah. like good luck like he's just so cool. uh, i wish i had a mentor like him me yeah. too amazing <laughs> amazing so jennifer dr green's wife is back from milwaukee and Dr. Green is late for work. Oh, winky face. <laughs> um, they end up having a little bit of fun mm -hmm. in the morning. And uh, Dr. Green is a little late for work. <laughs> and Dr. Ross, of course, calls him mm -hmm. on it. I love it. He knows. He's like, oh, late for work, are we? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we go to a scene with Carol and Susan. So the gossip train in this emergency department is very equal to real life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Carol and Susan are talking and Susan mentions kind of offhandedly that she's dating Dr. Svetik. And Carol immediately is like, yeah, yep. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, the rumors are true. You guys are dating. And Susan's like, uh, what? How did you know that? Mm-hmm. And Carol's like, well, um, I heard it's your birthday. And also that he's taking you out. He asked you to wear this black dress. And oh, like, my God. She knows everything. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, I also yeah. don't know why she's surprised that people know. Because it's not like they've been really hiding it. Like That's true. I mean, Carol says, like, you've been having lunch with him every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. not hard to figure out. Yeah. True. true. I feel like nowadays um, people are way more discreet. Or at least what's different from the show is that people are discreet. Like That's people true. have relationships in our department and nobody knows about it until they are together. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until they want people to know. Yeah. I think we're just like better in general as a culture, like keeping things secretive. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. Like we want to keep this quiet for now and then we'll like mm-hmm. release it out into the world. And mm-hmm. I guess it depends on like what that couple's dynamics are. Cause like yeah. we've had some relationships in the department that like everybody knows about like in 30 seconds yes. and knows like absolutely everything about that relationship. Yes. Um, and then we've had some relationships where like, you're like, you see a picture on Facebook and you're like, oh shit, yeah. they're together. Out of nowhere. <laughs> like, I also think it all depends on who you are telling. That is true. That is yeah. true. So that leads into this. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being Dr. Ross, who is the culprit. Of course um, Because, <laughs> right? Dr. Svetik told Dr. Ross mm-hmm. about this birthday date. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Ross told the entire department. So this is also very realistic. Yes. Like you said, it totally depends on who you tell yeah. and if you tell anybody, right? And then yeah. if that spreads throughout the department, there are very specific people in which you need to be careful about, yeah. which is like in life, yes. right? Anywhere I'm sure you work, there's people that are like bigger gossipers than other people. Yeah. And you can trust some people whether or not they're your close friends yeah. and not trust others, yeah. right? So yeah, I totally understand that. I do think, like, I mean, I've only ever worked in, like, a healthcare environment, so I don't know what an office environment would be like, but I just think that, especially in an emergency department, like, there's, like, upwards of 200 nurses, Mm -hmm. and I don't even, I can't even gander a guess at how many doctors we Mm -hmm. have, but, like, there's a lot. There's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of RTs, OTs, mm-hmm. security. We have a lot of people in and out of the department. So I just think the volume of people makes for like a great gossip train. Yes. You know, like there's just so many people involved that like gossip flies like crazy. Yeah, that is absolutely true. You know, there's always going to be a few people you don't trust, but I'd say generally people are pretty respectful. That's true. But again, it it all depends on if it gets to those one or two people that will spread it like right. crazy. Yeah. And then this scenario with Doug being the the culprit is yes. just really funny. I love that it's Doug. <laughs> it's yeah, just so great. Too. And they kind yeah. of had set that up with like 
when Carol returned um, after her suicide attempt and Doug was like running yeah. around the department being yeah. like, don't say anything insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I love this whole like gossip situation. I love that Carol knows like everything about Susan's yeah. life without being super close with Susan. She's yeah. like, did you know that? Like, yeah, it's so good. Well, because yeah, uh, like you somehow learn like these intimate details about your colleagues that you're like, how do I even know this? I'm not even that close with you. And yet everybody right. has an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And then Malik randomly grabs Susan and tells her that paramedics are bringing in a motor vehicle versus semi, which is very extreme. They start running towards the ambulance bay and then they get to the ambulance bay and the ambulance doors open and surprise, it's a celebration for Susan's birthday. And everybody sings happy birthday. And I was just thinking, I wish we did shit like this. Like, I wish we would like involve medics and be like, oh, there's a big crash come like I don't know if you could do that me too you'd have to like do it in the code room and like be like overhead page like code like code team to the, I don't know r3 stat yeah and like, <laughs> but you'd have to oh, have the person good. on the code team like it would just be like it would be a lot more involved. You can't just like, I mean, I guess maybe a doctor you could just grab and be like, you need to come with me and help me. But yeah, it would be so difficult because they all have their own patient assignments. And like, you'd have to make sure that like, how are you going to get that person into this area? I don't know. It would be a lot trickier. We should definitely try to make that happen sometime if management will let us. I think so. I think it would be really fun. It'd be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, of course, like, safely, like, have patients be safe, for sure. But, like, just yeah. through that, or just trying to get somebody, like, on the code team, you'd have to, like, very be preemptive with this, because you'd have to yes. talk to the charge nurse that's working the night before, who's making the assignment, mm. and, like, get them yes. to put that person whose birthday or whatever is on the code team. And then you yes. have to, like, coordinate with the other code nurses to be like, hey, we're going to call this code to R3 at this time, but there's going to be a cake. It's going to be a celebration. Um, <laughs> I think it would be, be, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Right? It would be actually really fun. It would just <laughs> take a lot of planning. <laughs> it's like a lot more yes. planning than just like gathering people and like grabbing a doctor and running to the emergency bay. Yeah. Well, this is a note for all of our colleagues and charge nurses that are listening. We need to set up surprise birthdays. Uh, yes. And or on yeah. the anniversary of our podcast, maybe do this oh for us. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps you guys need to get what it together that we and do this for us. I don't know. That's a good question. I like, what would you define the first day of our podcast? Like the first day we released? Yes. Okay. That's what Not I would. the first day we started working on it. No, no, because I was like, I don't even know when we first started working on it, to be honest. Okay, so yeah, April 6th, 2021, people, mark it in your calendars, we expect a celebration. (laughs) You better have a surprise, (laughs) we expect a surprise party. Melissa, you better pick up on that day. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta work that day. So next, Tagliari talks to uh, Carol about moving, and he has mentioned that in the last episode and he's just asking her again um and saying that Mm -hmm. she hasn't made a decision yet 
Um, and I really felt like through this part that he was like, I'm back on the, he's an asshole train. I am too a little bit. Okay. I, I am too. Yeah. I've been like definitely uh, back and forth through the last few episodes. Yeah, but like, me too. The way that he says it to her is just so harsh. Like, I feel like he's just yeah. like, um, I know that I love you and you need to figure this out. Like, I just felt like it was, it wasn't loving the way that he went about yeah. it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. No, 100%. And then, is this when he takes her up to the... To the roof. Um, roof? Okay. And I just... Okay, I have to just say, it was super funny when he, like, goes ahead of her and is, like, running and does, like, a parkour, like, off. He, like, jumps off the side and, like, Ugh. Yes. Was, like, are you, like, 12 years old? Like, he totally reminded me of Schmidt in that moment. Parkour! Like, Ugh. Jumps off the... Like, I'm so impressive. Like, 180. Carol, did you see that? Do you see that? Look at how cool I am. <laughs> yeah, you should just move in with me. <laughs> I think that they do a very good uh, job of like, because uh, he's ortho and ortho surgeons are typically like known as the jocks of right. surgery. Yeah. Right. As we know from scrubs. Yes. And it's <laughs> I was like, going to say. Yeah. And it's a stereotype and it's not necessarily true, but I feel like in this, episode I was like oh he's such an ortho guy like oh so cool yeah. move in with me <laughs> come up to the roof with me Carol come up to the roof like yeah <laughs> totally um I was gonna ask you have you ever been on the roof of our hospital no no okay I have I want to go oh my god okay. um okay so you have, to, you have to be friend of peace officer uh so what I did, oh. this is how I did it, is it's yeah. nothing romantic at all. So okay. one of well, our I thought peace... something <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of our peace officers took me up there because I really wanted photos from like the roof for I do these like retirement books for nurses that have been in our department for a long time and they retire. Right. And I wanted photos yes. from like the roof as like the final photo. And I wanted them to be of like either the sunrise or sunset or whatever. Um, Just like photos from the roof. So I was like asking around. And so one of the peace officers, I did ask him and I was like, hey, like I know that it's not a common thing for you guys to let people up onto the roof, but I would really like these photos and like, I'll go with you and like whatever rules apply, or even if you just want to take the photos and I will just get the images, that's fine. Um, but he's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. I'll take you up there. So yeah, so he took me up on the roof and it's quite a process to get up there. Like I have to say it was like, it wasn't just really? go to this floor and then walk out this door. It was like, you had to go up to the floor and then there was a scanned security door that you had to walk through. And then you're yeah. going through, then you go through this like hallway of like, it's like, um, there's no drywall. It's like all cords and wires and everything around you. Uh-huh. And then yeah. you walk through that hallway and then you go through this like tiny little door that you have to like crouch to get through to get onto uh-huh. the roof. It's quite crazy. Like it was quite a process. And that Ooh. door is like locked. But yeah, but yeah it was quite a process right. to get onto the roof. And then when I was on the roof, the PO that I was with 
was like, you can't go towards the edge. And like, he was like watching me the whole time because I am a very energetic human being. So like, I understand his concern, (laughs) but like, he was like, don't go close to the edge. Like stay five feet away from the edge at all times. And like, he's like, I'm watching you. Like, don't go over there. Don't go over there. Like he was, it was a lot of, (laughs) it was a lot of direction. (laughs) I wasn't allowed to go on certain surfaces and like. (laughs) Don't you, don't excite yourself off the edge, Melissa. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He definitely thought I was going to get too excited and I was going to fall off of the hospital. I don't don't think that was going to happen, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of direction that happened when I was on the roof. So um, I can't imagine just so like, taking a partner up there. That's just not possible in our, ho- in our hospital or probably in many hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so good. Anyway. So good. All right. So then we move into a story with Halle, who has asked Dr. Benton to suture a young African American man whose leg, um, needs suturing. Um, he's under arrest mm-hmm. for breaking and entering. And Halle is very adamant that Dr. Benton goes and sees this guy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Benton, not so adamant that he goes and sees this guy. And yeah. ends up passing it off to Carter, who goes in. So the police officer, though, interestingly enough, who is yeah. this African-American gentleman, not very interested in performing his own job or duties. Yeah, he's very distracted, isn't he? He is. He is much more interested in Olivia. What? (laughs) I know. He's digging Lydia. He is digging Lydia. I like that he asks Dr. Carter, who is that nurse? And like describes Lydia. And then Dr. Carter's like, oh, that's Lydia. And then he's like, uh, okay, is she single? Like, what's her situation? Carter has no idea. Not interested yeah. in getting to know the nurses at all, Carter. What? Yeah. Disappointed. So self-absorbed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so disappointing. Oh, didn't I have a prediction about Lydia? Okay, so I asked you about Lydia, and this is the things that you said, because I wrote them down, because just in case. Oh, you did? Okay, good. So, <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> Love it. So you said <laughs> that you thought she was single, which is interesting. Okay. You thought that she was, like, very devoted to, her, like, her nursing friends and nursing practice and, like, was a super loyal person but was single and didn't have like her own relationship or anything else maybe at home and like so dedicates her life to the department yeah because she's single yeah Yeah. ready to go (laughs) Um, so we don't actually know if she's single or not but carter because carter also has no idea so we'll see (laughs) how this plays out but i'm really interested in this police officer digging her it's great yeah me too a love interest for lydia i'm into it totally and I love how she, or the police officer is like showing him or showing her pictures of her, his dog and like, yeah, like, mm. miniature schnauzer. Yeah, miniature schnauzer. Whoa, hot stuff. And I love how Hale is like, oh yeah, look at these dogs, very cute. And she like gives the eyes to this police officer like, yeah. Ooh, you are hitting mm-hmm. on my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> totally. And you've abandoned your station <laughs> with your prisoner. Exactly. Dude. Not even yeah. watching his, um, yeah, prisoner, I guess. 
yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. I don't know is either. It? Detainee? Eh. I don't know. What's the... Detainee. That's probably a better the word. PC yeah. word for that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll just... <laughs> Moving <that>. on. Okay. <laughs> we used the wrong word. We know it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So Halle had asked Dr. Benton to see this African-American man. He passes it off to Carter. Carter is suturing him up. Police officer is interested in Lydia. And then um, Halle finds out later in the episode that Dr. Benton has passed this patient off to Dr. Carter. And Halle mm-hmm. is pissed. She is pissed yeah. about this. She she is not pleased. No, she finds Dr. Benton in the change room, yells at him for not talking to this kid. She wanted him to influence him to, like to make better choices. I love this dynamic between Hale and Dr. Benton. Mm-hmm. She's just comfortable enough to be like, you know what? You are a representative of the African American community. And this is mm-hmm. a kid that I care about. And I wanted you to talk to him. Yeah. And you didn't do it. You passed it off. And I just, mm-hmm. oh, I love, I love this knowledge about like, what is the history between Hale and Dr. Benton? Like, is this just yeah. that they're like both from the same African-American descent? Or is this like, they have a friendship history? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or maybe if it's like you, oh, yeah, I mean, it, like, it's so hard to speculate, especially myself being white, but maybe they have some sort of bond already because of things that they mutually experience together. Really? And so they might not even have a deep friendship, but they definitely have both experienced racism in the workplace, racism from, or in like microaggressions, probably from their colleagues without them really realizing that it's a microaggression or difficulties in their career in whatever way. And so, you know, in in the US and I think also just in the world in general, people of color are disproportionately more impoverished and it's tough to break the cycle of poverty. And, you know, Dr. Benton likely came from not necessarily his parents, but like generations of of definitely slavery in the US. And then probably, you know, came up from from that and broke this cycle somewhere along the line so she's saying like just as you said he's a representative and he can maybe speak to this guy totally totally agree yeah Yeah. and like Halle was trusting him to talk to this kid who's like potentially Mm -hmm. a gang potentially into some bad stuff and like she Mm -hmm. wanted a good african-american representative for him to be like oh maybe this is somebody i should model instead and Dr. Benjamin mm-hmm. just completely dismissed it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I don't blame her for being going after him. And I kind of respect her for it, for being like, yeah. you screwed me and I asked you to do this and I won't do shit for you in the future, right? Like how yeah. much do I do for you that goes unnoticed that I asked you for this one thing and you didn't do it. So yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch their dynamic in the future. I'm really... Yeah, excited about totally. it. Yeah, I also really like this is like completely a side note, but when Halle yeah. is yelling at Dr. Benton in the bathroom change room, wherever they are, um, yeah. Jerry yeah. walks in and he's like, ah, and he like runs away. <laughs> it's so great. He's like, oh my god, Halle's got her anger on. I'm gonna run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like that meme of that baby. Have you seen that little baby? And he's like walking in, and then all of a sudden does like a beeline and like oh, and turns around. Yes, it's exactly yes, that. it's exactly <laughs> that. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, so good. Right. Don't mess. Don't mess with Hale. To continue on with this storyline of Hale and Dr. Benton's, the patient's name is Mookie. Hale later uh, lets it slip that she's given Mookie a job in the emergency department uh, to keep him out of juvie and that Dr. Benton is now named his supervisor. And I just love how she slips this in. She's just like charting away and she sees Dr. Benton across the desk from her and she's like, oh, so by the way, um, this is what's happened and you're now Mookie's supervisor. He's going to be starting next week. It's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, so good. <laughs> I just love her. She's so you're welcome. Yeah, you're going to actually, oh, so because good. you couldn't just have a conversation with him, now you're going to be supervising him for weeks. Great. <laughs> uh, now it's mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, have no choice. I love that a lot. And I love like Dr. Benton's reaction. He's like, uh, Damn it. me? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Oh man. Anyway. So then we have a boat collision um, that occurs and a 12-year-old drowning victim is brought in. Carol and Dr. Ross intubate the patient. They start a central line and then just as they're about to go to the OR, um, the child goes into an AFib arrest and they are able to bring him back after three defibrillations. Um so po- after the child is like stabilized, goes to the OR, uh, they celebrate how smooth the code is by kissing. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that was like a long time coming. A long time. Before we obsess about this, I do want to say there was a point that I want to bring up. When they're transferring that kid over, they don't maintain his C spines at all. <laughs> And then when, when Doug does the central line, zero sterile field, zero antiseptic, like he doesn't even clean the area. He just goes right in with the syringe. That's so true. I'm sure. Yeah. Like he puts on gloves, but like, there's no setup. It's just like, he goes in without any like there's no protection at all. No sterilization. Doesn't even use like an alcohol swab. Right, to clean the area. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, nothing. I didn't nothing. really think about it, but yeah, you're right. Like, it was not well prepped at all. And, like, they say it's super smooth, but, like, it was super smooth because you did no preparation. There was zero, like, setup or sterile field established. He didn't even put a gown on, no mask, nothing. Like, you're literally feeding this catheter into this dude's, like, atrium. Right. It's a huge deal. Like, like you need to be yeah, prepared you're for not that. even well and I was kind of like I was initially thinking he's not even using an ultrasound like usually you would use an yes, ultrasound yes. to find it, where the vessel yes. is that you're going to put the central line into didn't even, he didn't do yeah, that nothing. but at the same time I did recall and then I was talking to a friend of um ours from mm-hmm. the department and like back in the day they used to just do central lines by touch like by feel Mm -hmm. and not necessarily always use an ultrasound. Like one of our physicians still doesn't need the ultrasound. He uses it 
but like he doesn't need yeah. it because he was trained to do right. it by touch. I was like, yeah. oh wow, like I can't believe he's not using an ultrasound because that's just so basic these days. We always use an ultrasound when we're trying to find mm-hmm. a vessel. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess like that wasn't necessarily the case. And probably in the nineties, it wasn't always the case. Like they would have done it sometimes, but not always. Yeah. But yeah, you're yeah. right. Like the sterile field, that was always a thing. <laughs> like That thing. Yeah. They like, should not be even like that. a clean. Yeah. Didn't even clean. <laughs> We're putting a line right <laughs> into your heart. Maybe we should make sure that the skin is clean so we don't introduce bacteria. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But. I guess um, it's a TV show, but it's just like, you know, things that you point out or th- things that you see as a healthcare worker that you're, you just think so, so right. far from reality. Right. Okay. So then Carol and Dr. Ross successfully stabilize this 12 year old and they kiss. What? They make out. Oh my God. They, Carol you and feel- sitting in a tree. Do um, I had goosebumps. I was so excited about the yeah. situation. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. yeah. And I was like, it's happening. It's going down. They're going to be together forever. <laughs> Screw Dr. Pasta or Tegliari or whatever his yeah. name is. I, his name sounds like a pasta to me. He does kind of. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Dr. Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new name we're using. So, yeah. <laughs> um, pasta. love it. Yeah, yeah, I was very excited about this. So, and then there's this really weird moment between Div Spedic and Malik. So, Div yeah. is talking to Susan. I don't remember what it was about that he was talking, but just like general stuff. And then. Mm-hmm. Malik comes up and he's like, hey, Dr. Svetik, um, I need you to sign off these, this paper, or I need you to see this patient. Right. And he's like, I've already admitted five. Yes. He like blows his top yeah. and he's like, I've already admitted five patients. Five patients is not that many patients. But he's psych, so that's a lot of patients. I suppose psych is yeah. a different <laughs> spectrum for eMERGE. Yeah. Five patients is like nothing. That's like the first 15 well, minutes of your shift. Like it's just like kind of absurd yeah. that... Even if we look at the amount of patients that internal med and hospitalists take. Right. Like they take so many a shift. Yes. Like their, their list of patients is long. Right right long per doctor like not just the entire service but per physician totally totally yeah so like I was kind of like five patients get it together dude not that many yeah yeah so he but he completely goes ballistic on Malik and he's like I'm not going to admit anybody new. I've already admitted these many people we're Mm -hmm. just gonna have to wait till the next shift for your patient to see somebody which yeah. I was totally on Malik's side. Like, yeah. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. This is my patient that I have that needs to see psych. Get it together. Like, come on. Malik was, I loved his sass. He did not tolerate the disrespectful tone that Div took with him. And I just think, like you said, just to echo your thoughts from the last episode, he is heading down a bad path. Like, this guy is 10 out of 10. He's full. He's stressed. Yeah. He's not coping. He's not coping. No. There is something 
going on there. It would be different if he just said, you know what, I'm super stressed. I've got a lot on my plate. Do you mind if I just take a break and I'll be there? Like, I'm just going to take a second and I'll come over to admit the patient. Right. Um, Okay, so Dr. Green and Dr. Carter try to diagnose a man who is in a coma with an unknown cause. Mm -hmm. After he spikes a fever, they decide to perform a lumbar puncture. This is Mm -hmm. uh, Carter's first ever LP, and he does it seamlessly. He's amazing. Uh, He is definitely becoming a better and better medical student. So I guess because he successfully does a, what they call champagne tap, which basically means that Mm -hmm. you do a lumbar puncture and you get just clear fluid back. So no blood, no trauma during the puncture. And Dr. Green says that he owes him a bottle of champagne for his first champagne tap. Which is super interesting. Like, have you ever heard this? I like that. I have not. No, me neither. Like, I don't think I've ever heard it actually at work before. So I was messaging the same friend of the podcast that uh, we talked about last episode who gave us the information about emergency physicians who have their pagers on. He would like to be referred mm-hmm. to as Dr. Tyrone. So I think that that's how we should continue. <laughs> um, okay. There is a really Done. wonderful video. If you, we should maybe link it in the description. Um, if you want yeah. to investigate why he wants to be called Dr. Tyrone, watch the link in the description. I will post it there. <laughs> um, and that will explain yeah. to you why. Anyway, so from here on out, his name is Dr. Tyrone. So (laughs) Dr. Tyrone says in his first champagne tap, he was, or he was told he was going to get a bottle of champagne. He was, um, it was alluded, I guess, to the fact that he Mm -hmm. would get a bottle. He never received said bottle. However, some of his medical Uh student friends did actually get champagne bottles from their superiors okay. when they did the champagne tap. Nice. So, so yeah, it's like that's great. Kind of a legitimate thing. Interesting. I love that. Yeah, that's depends on who you get as a supervisor or attending or whoever. But but yeah, yeah. kind of cool. I'd not heard this before, so it was interesting to hear it on the show. Yeah, this was definitely a first time that I've heard of that. But that I like that little piece. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool that like some doctors have gotten champagne bottles. So then we go to Dr. Benton and Dr. Langworthy, who are sitting waiting for their interviews for this Star Soul Fellowship. Um, And I have to say, their chemistry is off the charts in this little exchange. Sarah and Sarah and Peter. Yes, (laughs) big time. Oh, big time. They are for sure. They've got something from there. One thing that I thought was weird was that she mentions like, oh, you changed your clothes. And it was like a weird thing that he had changed his clothes. Yeah, because she hadn't, right? Like she was still in I know, but I was like, it's very normal to change your clothes for an interview. interview. I agree. Yeah. I think Dr. Benton was in the right um, frame of mind there. But then like the guy that was interviewing while they were waiting was in his scrubs too. So maybe that was like not a requirement. I don't know. Like, is it better to be like, oh, I'm like off to another surgery or is it better 
to be like, oh, I've changed because I don't have another surgery after this. I don't know. It's hard to say. Ah! Yeah. Hard to I, say. Like, I, you know, you probably can't go wrong either way. That's true. true. You know, you can't help that you're in scrubs if you've just come out of surgery and you want to make the interview or you took the time to like change and right be presentable can't right. go wrong yeah I agree like if you were like if it was a day off and you were coming in then absolutely dressing nicely is probably your way to go but like if you're working oh yeah that totally day, then I think that there's like some grace as to like oh you're wearing scrubs because you're gonna probably pop into the OR after this yeah uh, I don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. right it's yeah. hard to say yeah I don't I've never had an yeah. interview mid shift before I don't think that that's a really a Me thing neither. most times no so, I yeah. can't speak to no. that specifically. No, we, no. Maybe one of our doctor friends can. Yeah, but maybe. That maybe. the love between Peter and Sarah is strong. It they, is strong. Yes. When I saw that um, <laughs> scene, I was like, oh, Julie's on to something. Maybe they will get together. So Dr. Green meets his wife, Jennifer, at Doc's, which is the diner across the street, which becomes in future episodes becomes a very frequent location for the characters to visit for to eat okay so I just wanted to mention it docs big deal uh they're just sitting out on the patio right now but like it becomes a big feature part of the series in the future so we should mention it and they are talking about Dr. Green's wife has to go back to Milwaukee uh, to go back to work and at this point okay tell me if I'm wrong I re-watched it a few times to see, and it's not super clear, but does it seem like Rachel, their daughter, is now living, like we said they should be doing, with Jennifer at Milwaukee? Yeah. Okay. I think that, yeah. It seems like they transferred Rachel over to Jennifer in Milwaukee, and that Dr. Green really is the one that's, like, commuting, but I, I don't know how well he's doing that. Because yeah. Jennifer is coming back without Rachel to visit Dr. Green. I don't know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't know really what's happening because like she was there in the morning and he was late for work. Yeah. In the episode. So like she is, and she's obviously there now, but yeah, so, yeah, so she's visiting and leaving. Ra- I don't, it's very, yeah. yeah. The way that they're doing this is not super clear. It mm-hmm. sounds like. Rachel is living with Jennifer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know how well Dr. Green is actually commuting. Like, I don't think he's necessarily commuting back and forth from Milwaukee. I think that Jen and maybe Rachel are commuting back and forth together. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a great plan well (laughs) and I mean like they could just be playing it by ear like if if Jen has time off and Mark doesn't they just come back to Chicago and then when Mark has time off he'll go to Milwaukee who knows yeah yeah it's not super clear yet but yeah you're probably right that they're just kind of like playing it by ear at this point yeah so then we go back to the emergency department and Chloe, Susan's sister, has come back. And this is so weird that she's back. So weird. How can like, she even just, show her face? Right, you just stole your sister's TV. You destroyed yeah. her place. You disappeared. And now you're back. 
at her workplace, she's drunk, perhaps high as well, probably both, and is wishing Susan a happy birthday with this random dude that she brought in. I don't even remember yeah, his name. I didn't even write that. Me No. Such poor taste. Like, so bad. But also, you left the place, like, you left the stove on, you stole the TV, the cat was out, like, you left the place a disaster, you stole from your sister, and now you're going to show up to celebrate her birthday? Seems like right? I would be too embarrassed to even see my show up if I were her. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, very disappointed in this whole situation. I yeah. felt so badly for Susan. Like, this is so awkward. But did you see the part? Because then Susan says, like, something of, like, she's thinking what we're thinking. How were you even here? And she says you something about the stolen TV. And then Chloe goes, you hate on everything I do. You, like, are, you never support me. It's like, girlfriend. You stole her effing TV. What do you mean I she hates on everything you. you do? She's hating on the fact that you, that you, like, you robbed her. Like, most people are upset by theft. Like, yes. She's upset <laughs> yes. by that. Like, yes. Well, Chloe has a huge victim complex. She's like, yes. you know, they both come from the same parents. And then Susan alludes to the fact, like, you think that I didn't have to prove myself to them. So Susan's also had a struggle with their parents because, but it's just interesting how you can have two siblings that were raised the same way, or so we think, like raised the same way and turn out completely different. There's this story, I can't remember where it comes from, parable or whatever. And it's these two brothers and one's like ends up being very successful and makes something with his life and their dad's an alcoholic and the other brother becomes an alcoholic. And they're asked, like, what made you make the decisions that you've made? And they both say, oh, my dad. I didn't want to be like my dad. I have no choice because of who my dad is. Oh, it's just the mentality that you have. It's the mentality, how you interpret. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, for siblings to turn out so differently shocks me. Because, like, you just come from such a same place. Yeah. That, like... I mean, my brother and I didn't agree on a, like a lot of things. Like we would argue about a lot of things, but like at the end of the day, we were both like similar people, you know? So like, it just, it blows my mind to see like siblings that are completely on the different ends of the spectrum, like either politically or socially or whatever. Right. Like you came from the same humans. (laughs) You have the same ish DNA right? And you were raised the same way. Like, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. To it is crazy. The possibilities. Yeah. 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 And that, you know, just a very interesting commentary on that nature versus nurture. And like Susan says this really well in the episode is she's because as like things escalate in their argument, um, mm-hmm. it ends up coming out of the staff room and they start screaming at each other in front of the nursing desk. Chloe is saying, mom and dad never understood me. They never supported me. They never like were mm-hmm. there for me. And Susan is like, they weren't there for me either. I had to prove it. Like I had to yeah. prove to them that I could be a doctor. I had to prove to them that I could do all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. like, it took like a lot of willpower to make that happen Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because they like both maybe struggled with the same starting point, 
Yeah. But the way that they manifested it, which is exactly like the example that you gave, Susan was like, I am going to prove you wrong. I am a good person and I am smart and I'm going to make this Mm -hmm. happen. Whereas like Chloe is like, okay, well, I'm going to just prove that you're right. I can just throw my life down the tube. I can do that just as easily. Also just different coping, like totally different interpretations of like how to come out of that situation from their parents. And then also how to cope with maybe potentially like trauma from that relationship with their parents or whatever. So Susan was like, I'm going to take this and it's going to fuel me to be better. And then he was like, well, I have no choice. Like this, I'm going to cope with these substances. I'm going to hang out with these people because I'm a victim or whatever, for whatever her reason. I just want to numb this with these drugs or alcohol yeah absolutely so then the episode actually ends with uh dr carter and susan i loved this part Um, me too they were on the roof yeah um susan Susan is sitting on the roof totally looking sexy (gasps) wait before that she has an interaction with spedic what is that interaction? I can't remember. So, like, she's sitting down, and Dr. Svedek comes and talks to her. Oh, you already talked about this. But then he was like, so can I come over tonight? And she was like, oh, I don't know. And she's, like, not sure. And then he's like, oh, no. He's like, do you want to go for dinner? And she's like, ugh, I'm not really. I just kind of want to go home. And he's like, well, can I come over later? And she's like, I don't know, Div. Like, I'm just, like, she basically, I feel like it's. it was almost a breakup, but not quite. Then she has a really nice chat with Carter and they pop some champagne and it's a really sweet moment yes it's so cute like I love it so much I like I like how Carter handles it he's like we all have crazy families you don't have to get into it that wasn't what he was looking for he was just like yeah I just want somebody to drink my champagne with yeah and and he's like my dad told me never to shake this and he like shook the champagne and like it explodes (laughs) everywhere it was so great oh it was so good and I love that Susan like acknowledges that like hey I've never seen this side of you before and they have like a really nice moment yeah yeah there was one part too that I thought was hilarious when they are sitting together he acknowledges that he likes crazy women and I can't remember <laughs> what who they were referring to yeah I thought it was, was really funny because he <laughs> says he asks Susan and this is such a great like ice breaking moment he yeah. asks Susan if his if her sister is really into that guy that she brought to the department right yeah and Susan is like no I don't even think she knows his last name and yeah then she's like why and Carter's <laughs> like well I was thinking of asking her out so good yeah Carter is even funnier than uh and Dr. Ross, I think. Oh, totally. Uh, like last episode, I was like, Dr. Ross is so funny. But uh, mm-hmm. Carter's even better. It's like <laughs> lied humor. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. it's his throat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so We're going to see some good things from him, I think. <laughs> I think so too. He's wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, okay. that's how the that episode concludes. ends. Um, yeah. So, maybe we should head into Julie's predictions, fan favorite segment. Yes. So my number one prediction is like, listen, guys, we know that Doug and Carol are happening. 
they're gonna get together. There might be some back and forth, but they're just gonna get together. I'm gonna say like by the end of this season for sure, they're gonna be together. Okay. Jen and Mark are done. Their lives are like going completely different places. And it's gonna be really sad, especially with Rachel in the mix. I feel like there's gonna be some divorce drama. But by the end of the first season, I think that they're also gonna be done. And then Peter and Sarah, I like I don't want to ship everybody. People can be friends. But I just think that they're setting this up. They're they're setting yeah, this up. They are. They are. Uh, that they're gonna be that they're gonna have a thing. Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah. Div and Susan are for sure over. Like that guy's got some issues and she's uh, she's done. Like I think she's had it with him. And then Carter, I think he's doing great and he's going to be such a good doctor and we keep seeing like all these moments where he's just improving so much. And I love the moment where Carter and Susan like are friends and I think they're going to be good friends. I don't think that they're, I don't see like them being together, but I think they're going to be good friends. And I think that's all I have. And what about Lydia and this police officer? Oh yeah, I can see that going places. I you can really see that going places. Okay, do you think that's just like a one-off this episode? Oh, they had a little flirt mance and moving on? Or do you think this is like gonna be a storyline that continues? I think it'll be a storyline. Yeah, okay. For sure. All right, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Nice. I feel like it could be even like a storyline that we follow that they're dating and then they eventually get married and like have a bunch of miniature snowsers together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's awesome yes they just get a bunch of dogs all right so that's that's it that's all you got yeah that's that's all the people right all right cool also happy belated nurses week to the frequent flyers because it uh is well when we're recording it's nurses week but happy belated nurses week to everybody right yeah we love and appreciate all of you Yes, thank you for working through COVID and all of this stuff. Like this has been a little bit more stressful of a versus week than we've ever experienced, but thanks for going in there every day. (laughs) And we don't have any promos or like things to give you discounts on because we do not have that pull. No, no sponsors whatsoever. (laughs) No discounts whatsoever. So just continue on with your life as usual. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe one day. One day, maybe we'll be able to. But maybe? Who knows? Presently, it's a no. That concludes our episode for today. Yes, it does. And you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Adios. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the episode, guys. This episode is created, edited, and produced by your hosts, Melissa and Julie. Music by Chris Yemes. Photography by Ainsley Cardoso-Wagner, and photo editing by none other than your hosts, Melissa and Julie. You can find us on Instagram at erdebriefedpodcast, or now on Twitter at erdebriefed. We post updates with new content on there as much as we can. You can also email us at erdebriefed at gmail.com with comments, questions, suggestions, and more. We try to respond as quickly as possible, and we always appreciate hearing your feedback. Thanks again.